Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pick and Play Podcast, where we're making all the money and all the right calls, and driving that train, Leo, how you doing? Hey man, we, we came up 4-0 on our first day. I made a little bit of cash yesterday, you know, uh, taking advantage of the bets that we laid out there for you. So I'm, I'm feeling great going into day two. Yeah, and today we're going to break down reactions from the game ones, what we're seeing in this, in basically slate two. We kind of have slate one, slate two, where they're going to be alternating days. Uh, and we're going to break down where you can win money today. So let's jump into it immediately. Um, first game of yesterday... We had the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz. We had Denver in our Moneyline Parlay as well as uh, just against the spread. Um, This was a game that I I didn't know how Utah was going to stay in the game. My my biggest problem with Utah, uh, Mike Conley just left. They lost lost, uh, um, Bogdanovich. Um, I I really wasn't sure where they were going to get offense. When you lose buckets, you have to replace them. Now, I didn't know, I, I didn't understand that Donovan Mitchell was going to go out and damn score near 60 with a line of 57, but... Man, Donovan Mitchell had me sweating on the edge of my seat yesterday after I took that Nuggets money line parlay with the minus three. Uh, he was scaring me yesterday for sure. He had me shaking in my shoes. Right, and, and look, it took overtime to pull away. I, I, I'm going to tell you this, I think... I think everything we thought about this series was correct. Um, I don't know how Utah's going to get more buckets. I don't know. I, Denver's got three or four bucket getters. Utah's really only got one now with Mitchell. And uh, we saw him put up absolute heroics to try and win that game. And the best he could do in tie in regulation. I think this is aiming for a sweep or over in five. Uh, Utah just does not have the ammo to pull this off. Um, I, 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 I don't really think from a defensive standpoint they did pretty well, but you, you can only hold back a team in the playoffs so long. We saw that. Any chance Utah can rally around and win two or three games? No, I think what we saw yesterday was really the best-case scenario for Utah. I mean, Donovan Mitchell goes for almost 60. He gives you 57, 9, and 7. Uh, you can't ask for much more than that when you're missing Mike Conley, when you're missing Boyan Bogdanovich. This is really the best-case scenario for Utah that um, Donovan Mitchell just goes scorched earth and they see what they can do. Yep. You know, and it just wasn't enough. You see, he gives you one of the best playoff performances we've ever seen, and they lose by 10. They lose by 10. Um, so Jamal I think... Murray, though, we got to talk about him oh, for yeah. a second. Flame 36, 9, and 5 from Jamal Murray. He was coming up with big shot after big shot after big play down the stretch. I think if you're a Denver fan, that's exactly what you wanted to see out of him in that first game. Yep. Uh, they met fire with fire. Uh, the only, It sh- overshadows Murray because <laughs> Mitchell put up 57. Um, another thing I'm going to call out, I don't really know what Rudy Gobert offers your team besides a really, really tall guy. Um I, I, One I, of the best defenders in the league in the paint, but on the offensive end, he's giving you next to nothing. The other problem is, while I agree he's great in the paint, he gets lost as soon as he has to move outside the paint. And, and he's tentative. He is, he Outside the paint, he is a complete detriment. And I think in the playoffs, it shows up year in and year out. I don't care what he does in the regular season. 
The everyone makes the playoffs in the NBA. The regular season is incredibly overrated. Uh, it's what you do in the playoffs that matter. And and I continuously see him look lost when he has to go out and guard someone. He really doesn't have a shot at all. Um, I really think that the Jazz need to explore blowing this up a little bit and building around Donovan getting younger because um, I just don't see where the pieces are going to come from. Even if they were fully healthy, uh, I still think the Nuggets win this series. Um, and I, I really, you, when you watch someone go for 57 in a loss in the playoffs, you really have to reevaluate everything. I think you really do because that is such a heroic performance to lose that I think also as a team, it's mentally draining. So I really think that Utah needs to reevaluate. You have Donovan Mitchell. You have your superstar. Honestly, you need to pair him with another superstar. Gobert is not it. And and, and that's really all I have for Utah. I think that they're looking down the end of a, of a rebuild. Right, I think one one last note on the Nuggets before we move on to the next game. Uh, I did think it was interesting that a lot of those Donovan Mitchell buckets came just off the dribble drive, and he was getting right to the rim whenever he wanted to. Yep. Uh, that's something to keep in mind for the next series if the Nuggets do move on and face the Clippers. That's going to be a huge problem. I don't think the Nuggets have a whole lot of defense. I think they're an offensive firepower team that, that can get get you buckets and we saw that yesterday you drag out to 135 points so um i i think that that's where their money is uh flipping to the next game we have toronto and brooklyn there's not really much to talk about here uh, i will say i called out the four to one 21 or more to win by there was a point in the game where it got back down to about nine and then at the end of the game it exploded out in toronto one handily so that covered your a four to one bet for everybody um, not only that, but we had Toronto at minus nine. We thought that was free money. It turned out to be better than free money. So uh, it, came, it, it came with additional money. Um, I don't really have many takeaways from this game. Brooklyn's completely overmatched in every way, shape, and form. Toronto's a really good team overall. Plays, good, plays great defense. Has good offensive scoring capabilities. Van Fleet goes for 30. Any takeaways from this game other than this is going to go four and, and we're moving it along. No, I think a couple of days ago we pretty much called this one out. We said that this should be over in four if the Raptors are for real. Uh, yesterday pretty much just solidified that for me. It, it looked like this is going to be over in four. Uh, shout out to Fred Van Vliet, though. 30 yeah. points, 11 assists. He, ever since his baby was born last playoffs, he hasn't stopped turning up since then. So yep. I guess we need to keep an eye on him as the playoffs move on. Yep, someone to watch. Uh, I don't really have any other takeaways, which moves us to our 76ers-Celtics game. I took the 76ers um, in terms of uh, what we're looking at as a series win to do something a little different. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this. Here's my takeaway. With six minutes left in the game, Embiid received one pass from his teammates. In the final six I minutes... I understand that. I, I didn't get what Philly was doing down the stretch, and I know that the Celtics were throwing doubles at Embiid, but that's fine. I keep giving him the ball. What did he have? Fifteen attempts on the game. Right. Fifteen shot attempts. Just MVP pathetic. needs to be in the mid twenties. Yes. He's eight for fifteen. This is once again. If you want to know what bad coaching looks like, this is this is bad coaching. This is horrendous coaching. You mean at no point in time? Look, if a minute went by on my clock, a minute, and Embiid didn't get, which basically you should have two to three possessions in that minute. 
if Embiid didn't get the ball for 50% of them after a minute, I'm calling timeout, and I'm reminding everyone we want to run our offensive sets through Embiid. That would be it. That would be the end. I would call timeout, and that would be the discussion. So for six minutes as a coach, you knew that you either didn't know that your best player and only chance to win the game wasn't getting the ball, or you knew and didn't give a fuck. Those are your options. So there's there's only one thing to look at here. You have a coach who's completely over his head that really doesn't even know how to win games. Shouldn't have been in this position. Should have been fired three years ago. So, um, you know, Tatum goes for 32. The Celtics win. I, I got to tell you, I don't see... I don't see where this turns around for the 76ers. They score 22 points in the fourth. They get outscored by 12 by the Celtics. That flips the game. I don't know how you can do that down the stretch. I think it's pathetic. Um, Embiid only with 37 minutes. You know, I need more out of him as well. Jason Tatum played 41. Uh, Brown plays uh, 38. Richardson, 37. Uh, You know, Tobias Harris has 38. I need more Embiid. If he's not in shape, I don't give a fuck. He's my only chance to win. Putting him on the bench does not give me a better chance to win. If he's tired, I'm going to run his fat ass out there and tell every and tell him, look, you got to get in better shape. You got to be playing 42 minutes in the playoffs. We need you. If you're not in shape for that, I'm sorry. I know you're a big body, but I don't want to hear it. Uh, you, there, there was a yesteryear 40 years ago where bigs played the entire game. Uh, now, I'm not saying that they were quality minutes the whole time, but I'm not saying Embiid's 37 minutes is quality. He needs to get in better shape. He needs to do a better job. That coach needs to put him in a better position to win. All around the 76ers, in my opinion, they might win one or two of these games if they decide to feed Embiid, but this was their chance to pull one away and win this series. This series is over. Right. In the second half, it looked like they had taken control of the game a little bit. They slowed it down. They yep. weren't letting Boston get out and run. But again, Embiid with 15 attempts, like, how does that happen? Right. Bad Alex coaching. Burks got 15 attempts. Bad coaching, and Embiid doesn't realize he's got to go to the huddle and go, if I don't get the fucking ball again, I'm just going to start fighting people. That's the end of it. If I don't get the ball, the next teammate that gets within four feet of me, I'm punching him in the eye. Let's just call spade a spade. That's what he's got to do. I'm the boss here. I'm going to make the points if we're going to win this game. You're going to give me the ball down low, and I'm going to eat like I've never eaten before. I, I can't, you know, I can't be going up against a, a lineup where I've got Hayward on me or or, or Thies on me, I, I, and I'm not just dunking on motherfuckers. This has to happen. Oh, Cantor's in. Okay, if Cantor's in for eight minutes, I better score at least a bucket a minute, period. <laughs> I got to be eating. Uh, this is a team yeah, that yesterday felt like a good opportunity for Philly to steal game one and they just kind of threw it away at the end. So that's uh, over. this series, it might be over quicker than what I expected, yep. but we'll see because Philly still put up a fight. Uh, you know, they just kind of fell apart at the end and we'll see if they can get that fixed. It's a long series. Yep. And uh, as usual, they fall apart because they really don't have good coaching um, and they really don't have a strong leader on the floor to make up for the bad coaching. So, Let's move on to what I think was uh, the most controversial and really the most eye-opening game. Um, The Dallas Mavericks played the Los Angeles Clippers. Here are my takeaways. The refs in every sport are unqualified to be refs in every sport. Period. That's end of discussion. Um, I don't understand why I have to continuously watch poor refing through every single league as if every single league doesn't have an easy solution. 
Um, I'm going to propose to everyone out there an easy solution. Uh, you have a shitload, a metric shitload of players that come through uh, NCAA, at your G League, and overseas. There's a shitload of people that just want to be around the sport. You mean to tell me you can't come up with some kind of fucking system that takes these ex-players, turns them into refs, that they know the game, they're athletic enough to get up and down the court, they can move well, they understand the flow. You mean to tell me, out of the millions of potential candidates, your best choice is an old white guy who struggles to get up and down the court, who cannot follow the game. Someone has to explain to me why every major sport doesn't turn to ex-players and create a basically training program to turn them into refs. Can, can someone tell me a good reason why they shouldn't do that? No, uh, you're right. Uh, I don't have any argument for that. But, you know, just for argument's sake, I'm going to take the opposite side of this, uh, of this topic here. Christoph Porzingis needs to do a better job of situational awareness. You know that you have one technical foul. You know it's the playoffs. And you know that you're in a dogfight with the Clippers. Why are you jumping into a scrum? You know, I know you're trying to protect Luka, your best player. Because that's it. The foul on Luka was not even that hard to be reacting the way that, you know, the, the way that they were reacting. You need to have better situational awareness if you're Christoph Porzingis. It's the playoffs. I get it. It's the playoffs. I get it. You're right, though. It is the playoffs. You know who's not participating in a win-loss scenario? This is why I don't like that argument. The ref is supposed to be there to mediate. That's his job. His job is to understand what situation we're in, where we're at. My job is Porzingis. If, if I, and look, Luka got hard fouled all game. This wasn't one event. Luka was getting hard fouled. The, Lake, uh, the Clippers came out in the beginning of that game with a the clamps on. They were hounding him, as we expected. And we they were hounding him. him. They were physical with him. They were too physical with him to start that game. The refs started calling it, and what happened? Kawhi ended up with three fouls at the half, and Pat Beverly ended up with three fouls in the half. You want to know why? Because they were fucking hitting him. They weren't picking up those fouls on ticky-tacky. They were slapping him around. And Luka was good enough and the superstar of the game to get both of them in foul trouble, get them out of the game, and ended up running that first half and having them with the lead. Then, then in the third, everything falls apart. The ref's job is not to hand out techs because two players get in each other's fucking face. That's not your fucking job. Your job is to keep control of the game. You step back. If you want to look at both and give them a regular foul, whatever. Teching them up, you know Porzingis has a tech. Teching him up in that situation is completely unprofessional. It's completely uncalled for. I want my big man to get in the face of any little fucking turd who's going to slap around my star player. That's Porzingis' job. Porzingis' job is to get up in there and say, I'm a big man too, and here I am. I don't ever want that intensity away from the players. And taking that intensity out of the game results in a worse uh, worse product on the court. So what you're telling me is we would rather have players that just sit back instead of get intense? Get out of here. There was a game they should have won. They were in position to win. They played absolutely uh, 
steel-minded. They saw the physicality of the Clippers. They met it. And in response to that, the refs gave out two really shitty texts on Porzingis. One when Porzingis gets mad because he cleanly blocks a shot. Cleanly blocks a shot. And says that's bullshit. And the refs tech him up for that. Soft on the refs again. Nice job for being soft and not knowing how to do your job. And then Porzingis gets in someone's face and you tech him up again? I mean... Don't even show up. I don't even want to see you. You're not doing your You're basically saying just because I can't do my job, you need to do more. I, I hate that argument. Why do we have to take but it to step two? I, I agree that it was a, a BS call. I didn't like the call. As a neutral bystander, you know, I didn't give a damn about, about what happened in the game other than having a little sum on the Clippers. Right. But, I, I mean... I'm with you. Bullshit call. I don't like the call. I wouldn't have made the call. But Porzingis isn't just absolved of all blame here. You got to be smarter. You got to be smarter than that. Sure. If you know you have a T, you got to play a little smarter. Sure. I, I, I guess I look at it and go, you know, I'm not expecting to get the first T for what he did. The second T is even more egregious to me. I don't put it on Porzingis. Porzingis didn't ask for the T. Um, this is a confrontation that happens in basketball games probably two to three times a game, and they don't tee every player up around. Uh, I really I understand the point of view of saying, well, let's have Porzingis not step up in front and for Luka Doncic, who, by the way, goes for 42 points against the best. He put Pat Beverly in foul trouble. He put Kawhi Leonard in foul trouble. There aren't better defenders to flip one, two in, in the NBA, and he hurt them both. Porzingis in that game, I think the clip, the Mavericks were turning that game around and had a chance to really win it. I think this is going to be a good series. I understand if you want to say the, the spot of Porzingis, but what you're basically absolving is the refs. If you want to say, well, I, I don't believe in fixing problems uh, looking at it secondarily. The first thing that should have been fixed is we need better refs and they shouldn't have called the techs. The second thing is you have one tech, maybe should be a little cautious. What I want to understand is how many times do we see that and nobody gets teched? It's almost every single time that nobody gets teched from that kind of confrontation. Right, right. A bad call. It's just a bad call. I don't want to go further than saying it's on Porzingis because I go, it's a bad call. Bad calls ruin what should be normal flow of the game. I'm not going to get upset for a player that's in the normal flow of the game getting a tech. I'm just not. I can't do it because at what point do I tell Michael, don't get one. You can't, you can't get one because you don't know when you're going to get two. I mean, you, you make a clean block. The ref tees you up because you tell him it's bullshit. By the way, it was bullshit. And then you step into a scrum and they tee you up because you're the biggest man in the group. I'm sorry. Do your job right. first. I, I just think some of, the, uh, some of the more cerebral players in the league aren't jumping into that scrum. Anthony Davis isn't getting his second tee right there. Kevin Durant isn't getting his second tee right there. Steph Curry's not getting his second tee right there. The, the, it, hold on, hold on. There's a reason they're not getting that tee. There's a reason. It has nothing to do with them stepping into that scrum. It's because... Look, my point is they're not going to do it. They're, they're superstars. They, they're not going to get teed up anyway. They weren't going to tee up Doncic. They'll tee up Porzingis. He's not a superstar. They treat superstars completely differently. Superstars do not get two taps. you got to be aware of that, though, right? <sighs> I think if you got Porzingis. You're you're not Steph Curry or LeBron. You you're not just gonna get away with everything. Uh, yeah, but I don't know what he didn't get away with. Like, watch today how many times players get in each other's face and, and how many times they tee up both people. 
Oh no, I'm with you. I'm on your side of the fence. So here. my, my job is inconsistent. They don't make it consistently. Yeah, uh, I'm know, just not providing bo- their side of the. Yeah, the and I, I just go how how cerebral do I need to be? So okay, so Luca, when you get hard fouled, I need you. To, when you get hard fouled for the eighth time in a quarter or in a in a game, I need you to not react to it. And then I need all your teammates to act like you're not supporting Luca and just go, hey, buddy, well, you know, when we get to the huddle, you know, oh, it's so, I'm, I'm so sorry they, they did that to you. They're, I wish there was anything I could do, but, you know, if I step up and defend you, the refs are going to, they're going to tee me. What, what are we, what are we doing? Just cancel the season. <laughs> I want intensity on my basketball court. Intensity. No, you're, you're right. You're right. But if you have one tech already, uh, you might want to play that soft guy yeah. that you were just doing right there. What if because he doesn't get up in everyone's face, Luka Doncic takes another hard foul and gets hurt, leaves the game injured? If we want to play the what if game now, let's go further down. You don't make, you don't get in their face after they get in your face and they continuously hurt Luka. What happens next? Yeah, you, you probably lose. Right. I mean, and what if he's hurt for more in a game? You know, that's where I go with it. You have to stand up to bullies and punch them in the mouth as well. That's part of sports. Well, look at what actually happened. You stood up to the bully. Yep. You got rowdy. You got kicked out. And you lost the game. Yep. I I get it, and I blame that, and I I put a hundred percent of that on the refs, and you cannot provide me with another argument. That's my point. I'm on. I don't look at other people need to react well to shitty, shitty refs. I go, you, you, you fix the fucking refs. This should not be a conversation about Porzingis in any way. We shouldn't detract from the actual point. And every time we do, we detract from the refs. Well, the refs suck. We know that. You got to make up for it. No, can someone please? Can Adam Silver come out and go, I do a lot of right things. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fucking get rid of these refs. I can't stand them anymore. Uh, you know, it, it, we... You can't come out of your marquee game yesterday and the number one takeaway. Luka scored 42, by the way. 42 in a loss. Donovan Mitchell scored 57 in a loss. We had a bunch of really good games, and the only thing everyone's talking about today is how bad that ejection was. How You can't think that's good for your product. If we want to keep going down this line, Porzingis is going to be one peg, but if you keep going, and that's my counterpoint, is it's not good for the product. It's not good for the players. wasn't good for the result. Was it good for the team? I don't really see where it is. We'll move on. I I think refs got to get better across the board, and I don't understand why every sport doesn't offer these NCAA players opportunities to go into a refing program. Uh, they can ref NCAA games, and they can come up and ref in NBA. They can even put them overseas if they want to go full-time. They can probably pay them close to 100 k which is more than a lot of these guys are going to make. And they, we could have athletes refing these games that have played the game for 15 years at the highest level. So that is my solution. It's easy. You have a bevy of people that want to stay in the sport that would love to get involved, that are cerebral players that it could get involved and could give us a better product. Fix it. This is for every GM out there, or every every president of every sports club. Fix it. Use that. Um, okay. Let's move along to today's games now today's games are going to have uh kind of the same same sway we've got ones and eights fives and fours fives and fours and another one and eight so uh first game of the day milwaukee orlando what are your thoughts uh i don't know if you saw my tweet yesterday but this is that series that you do while you do some laundry yeah you know while, while you vacuum up the house a little bit maybe while you work 
Uh, I'm not too invested in Milwaukee versus Orlando. This series should be over in four, in my opinion. The spread for today, I think, is what, 13 and a half? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I like 13 and a half that much, but I, I like Milwaukee in four. Here's why I love the 13. I love it. Because when you look at that little magic number, and I'm a little pissed off Vegas called onto this, uh, but for the Bucks to win by 21 or more, you only get two and a half times your bet. Two and a half for them to beat the fuck out of the Magic. Two and a half. That tells me that 13 at even money is, is good. <laughs> That's good money. I, I, don't, I don't see, first, I'm going to take the 21 or more. And I'm going to take the 13. I think the Bucks, if they want to show, and this was last year, I think the Bucks came out, was it against the Magic or someone, and they dropped game one, then they turned around and roundhouse kicked them for the rest of them. Um, uh, no, I think the Bucks started off with a sweep last year. The Magic pulled off the game one upset against the Raptors last year. Last year. I think the Bucks are going to roundhouse kick the Magic into oblivion in the first game. Uh, I mean, I could, I could see a first half score of 64-28. I, I think they're just gonna. I think they're gonna absolutely obliterate them. I like you both think sides. This is gonna be a, a Giannis sits the fourth game. Uh, I think yeah, yeah. I I think the goal of this game is to put the Magic so far into the earth that you completely take away their will to compete, and I think you're gonna get that. Okay, uh, I'm not mad at it. I'm a little hesitant to put money on on that big of a spread. Like it has to be a blowout for me to win. Yep, but. Uh, I, I'm not mad at that prediction at all, especially the plus 21. That's what I think we'll get at a lot of these uh, one and eight matchups. Well, not one, and, not just one and eight, but two and seven. Uh, the next game, um, this the middle slate here terrifies me, and I don't know where to go with it. Uh, Miami, Miami and Indian and Indy play, and Miami is giving up four and a half points with an over of two fifteen. What do you like there? I don't know. I, I keep, you know, I was looking at this line this morning, and I, I really wanted to take the Heat minus four and a half. But something about the Pacers, I kind of like the Pacers today. I think I'm going to stay away from this game in general. I don't think I'm going to bet this one. Uh, but I, I could see this being a close one, and if it's going to be a close one, then I like the plus four and a half for Indiana. Uh, something I like about it, I like the over. I like over 215. Uh, I, I think that's a good line. I think you can get... Um, I, I think that you're not going to find many playoff games that are under 215. I, I think that that's right in your, your wheelhouse or what, you, what you're looking for. Um, if I just go off yesterday's game, only one game didn't make it to 215. That was the 76ers and Celtics. Um, and the 76ers are depleted. Uh, and again... They didn't feed Embiid for whatever reason down the stretch. They probably get over 215. So th this is a game that I think at 215, you can kind of reach it anyway. I like the over. That, that, that's where I'm sitting on that game. Yeah, the over is normally probably going to be pretty safe unless you're dealing with a series. Like Philly and Boston, that's probably going to be a slugfest for however many games that goes. Uh, with Miami and the Pacers, uh, I might not mind that over. You said 215. 215 yeah flat okay okay i again i don't think i'm gonna bet this game at all i think i'm just gonna sit and watch this one but uh, the 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 over is pretty safe there uh, i don't mind that 
So that's, you know, and, and I, I'll tell you this, I, I like the Pacers getting the points. I'm not going to touch it, but man, I don't know what to make of this game. I, I, the Heat, from a talent perspective, they, they have a lot going on for them, but the Pacers play really well. I'm not really sure what we're going to get out of TJ. I, I think this is a, I think this series is pretty much a stay away. You could, I think there's going to be more points than people think because I think we found out Duncan Robinson's the best moving shooter uh, i don't know if you saw the stats but he shot he shot the ball on a catch and shoot at three percent higher than steph curry and clay thompson have ever shot and that's crazy um that's just a crazy yeah, he fucking came stat. out of nowhere this summer i remember watching him in the summer league yeah he was he was on the bubble to make the roster and he just turned this season into his bitch really uh, and that's and that's what and and that's kind of where I'm at. I go look. I I don't know, but I think there'll be more points than people expect. So I don't really know who's going to win. I think the Heat have the better uh, high end players, but the Pacers are well rounded. So we'll see. I like the yeah. over there. I think I need to watch Game One and maybe Game Two of this series before I'm comfortable throwing some money on yep. it. I need to see some stuff first. Yep. Uh, Thunder Rockets. Here's another one. Uh, the Rockets are getting points. Uh, no Westbrook, um, but the Thunder are going to love going small in this game. The Thunder are favored in game one. So that's very interesting. Where do you see this? I think this is an opportunity to take the Rockets plus points, but I'm, I'm not going to touch it in any way. But how are you feeling about it? I actually already touched it. Uh, I took OKC minus a point and a half. Uh, and I did that once I saw that Westbrook was out for this game. Uh, I think that the Rockets can win this series if Westbrook can come back, you know, before game three. You know, I think he needs to be back next game or maybe game three if they're going to pull it out. But uh, without Westbrook, I don't know if they have enough firepower. I know Eric Gordon recently came back, but OKC, they're a a well-oiled machine. You know, that team is a machine where the Rockets, they have two Ferraris, but one of them's in the shop right now. Yep. So uh, I'm going to go with OKC minus one and a half. I think they take game one while Houston shorthanded. If Houston gets Westbrook back, then I'm flipping. I'm going back to Houston. But for this game, uh, I think Chris Paul has them ready to go and they take game one. If Westbrook doesn't come back, where does OKC end up? You think they win in three, four? I mean, four, five? Uh, I think Harden's probably enough to win a game or two, even if if uh if Westbrook doesn't come back but I don't have Houston winning the series if they don't have Westbrook I don't think Harden can do it by himself OKC they're like I said before they're a well-oiled machine they don't rely on any one person to give them 40 or 50 points you know it's like death by a million paper cuts when you play OKC so uh, I would take them if Westbrook isn't going to return, but if Westbrook is back by next game, by next, by even by game three, I, I still have Houston winning the series. A lot rests on the health of Russell. Yeah. Okay. That, this game is built around having these two Ferraris. So, yeah. And you one's know, if in the shot. One that that hurts a lot. You know, Eric Gordon needs. You can only make up so much of what Westbrook's given them. Yeah, and now I'm starting to wonder if that one and a half is Westbrook only worth one and a half. You know, I think he's worth more than that. So I think this one and a half may be a little of a bait. I think Thunder might be able to pull this one out. I'm going to keep an eye on that uh, as the day goes. See how I do on the early slates. Okay, 9 o'clock. The piece de resistance. The Portland Trailblazers will take on the Los Angeles Lakers. The spread is 6.5. 
The over-under is 233. Portland has no discernible defense whatsoever. They have people that start that we've questioned their defense for a long time. The Lakers have been sleepwalking for seven games now. What do we see here? I think that the over is probably a safe bet. That's for sure. Uh, this is going to be there – sh- there should be a lot of points scored in this game. Uh, like you said, the Blazers don't play much D, but they, they do put up points. You know, they, they have a couple flamethrowers over there that can get hot. Um, the Lakers, you know, the Lakers, they were one of the better offenses in the league all year, but ever since the restart, they've looked like crap. I – you know, I point to the fact that the games didn't really mean anything to them after that first Clippers game. So I, I expect them to come out sharper than what we've seen in the last seven games. Uh, but I think this is going to be a quick series for the Lakers. It should be a quick series for the Lakers. I think LeBron comes out tonight with an impressive, like, 38, you know, 10 and 12, one of those type of lines. And I, I think the Lakers take care of them pretty quickly. I actually did take the Lakers minus six today. Uh, I, I think they take care of business this first game. I don't think it's going to be a clean sweep. I, I think Dame gets one before this series is over. But tonight, I think the Lakers come out and set the tone. Yep. I like the, th- I like the Lakers to thump them. Uh, the only problem I have with the Lakers, and the reason why the spread is a little wary to me, once the Lakers sit LeBron and AD, they do not have anyone that can kind of keep them in this game. So every time LeBron and AD come out, and like at the end of the game, let's say they're up 12 with three minutes left, and they pull them and just slow the game down, what prevents the Blazers from just firing seven quick points back in? Like, that's where my biggest problem is with the spread in the Lakers. I think the Lakers cover. I'll probably put money on the Lakers. But I am, I, I am fearful of how it's going to turn and, and what it's going to look like win LeBron and AD off the court. I don't think the Lakers look good from a second unit perspective. I didn't think they look good from a first unit perspective. So I really do worry about how this team looks uh, if LeBron and AD have to come off the court for any more than six minutes of rest total. So I don't think, I mean, now that the playoffs started, don't quote me, but I don't think that Vogel's going to spend too many minutes with both of them on the bench. Uh, I think that you you keep one of them out there almost at all times. Have one of them anchor the second unit is probably going to be Davis, and uh, and have LeBron you know take his normal rest. But they shouldn't both be sitting down at the same time very often. You you got to stagger their minutes. I I would think that's why you have these two guys. Yep, and I I think one will be on the court all the time. Here's the other side of this. There ain't nobody on the Blazers. There ain't no there isn't anybody in the West that can stop AD. And from a stat perspective, there's really not anyone that can stop LeBron if he gets it going. Besides maybe Kawhi because of his size. So I, I, I but at the same time, who's going to stop Dame? Like I really think this could be a forty point performance by Dame and a sixty point performance by AD if he wants it. If they feed AD and he's just eating all day, I don't be surprised they just keep feeding him. So, um, uh, if I'm the Lakers, I'll probably let a, a look at letting Dame get his forty, you know, and just make sure that you're not letting CJ get his, you're not letting Nurkic get his, you know, you're staying on Melo in the corners. Uh, I don't think they have no answer for Dame, so maybe the best approach is to take everything else away and say, all right, Dame, if you're gonna go get seventy, then go get seventy. Yep. 
I mean, we'll, we'll see on the lay. What do you think? Do you think that this one's over in four or five, or do you think the Blazers actually give them a run for their money? I'm terrified at the Lakers' depth. I, they don't have any. So as long as they don't run out of steam or get gassed in any way, the Lakers are going to run the Blazers off. I think this is over in four. I think this is over in five. I believe that LeBron wants to stamp this and go, it didn't matter who you were going to send me. I was going to put him in a care package, and I was going to push him out to sea. LeBron has never had the talent he's had in, in, in one player such as AD playing. He's had Kyrie, who's close, but AD is a different animal. So I think LeBron has the capability of putting the gun to their head and pulling the trigger. I want to see what we get. If there's some old man LeBron that shows up who looked like an old man LeBron through seven games, seven of the games outside of that Clipper game, um, I think they could be in trouble. I, I think that this Lakers team, much like the Bucks team, has been sleepwalking to this moment. And this is where they come out and they thump everyone. Who knows? If I hit everything early, I'm going to be all over the Lakers. But uh, I don't really like the over at 233. <clears throat> I don't really like the the, the minus 6.5 either. So that's, that's where we kind of wrap up. Um, any parting thoughts on today? No, no, I, I really want to keep an eye. Those two games in the middle of the day, you know, I think that I, I think that we should already know what's going to happen in that Bucks game, and we can reasonably expect what's going to happen in the Lakers game, unless Dame, you know, goes scorched earth. Those two games in the middle of the day are the ones that are very interesting to me: Heat Pacers and Thunder Rockets. We're going to find out a lot about those series today. Yep, uh, I think this is the. Uh... I think this is where everything kind of clarifies itself and comes into full focus. What we get from teams today is what I expect to get through them, minus the Rackets because they're down one of their Ferraris. Um, we will continuously put our picks on Twitter. As a group, we are 4-0. and We'll get at least two bets out there today for everybody. We don't like a lot of the board, and if you don't like a lot of the board, don't bet. It's that simple. Hold on to your money. I know it's tough. Or half your bet, quarter your bet, put a little something on it, but... That's where Vegas gets you is when you get a little impulsive. Uh, we will have NFL coming up soon. So we'll be splitting and doing a little bit of NFL talk as we walk through these NBA playoffs. Uh, we will have another pod later this week to break down uh, what should be game one for Tuesdays and then the game twos for Wednesday. Uh, we might even do a live breakdown of a game. So we are excited to continue to bring this content, excited to bring you more money. You can find us uh at pick and play podcast we are on every platform please rate review subscribe you can find me at pick and play 37 and leo where can they find you they can find me at pick and scroll uh pretty much everywhere and uh, like matt said we were 4-0 yesterday make sure you're listening get a little notepad out write down what we're saying and make some money with us all right everyone out there stay safe enjoy basketball day stay indoors And as always, thank you for listening.